why is this different from Coursera or Udemy? This is a fundamental shift away from content being the main driver of the learning experience. And it's, it's one that is based on this idea of like new global clusters. Hi, this is the Indy University's podcast by Questo. I'm your host, Sheldon. This is a podcast where we interact with founders, creators, and pioneers in the online learning space. My guest for today is Alberto, the co-founder of Transcend Network. In this episode, Alberto shares insights around the formation of Transcend, how his previous experiences around learning systems has shaped his approach with Transcend. We also get into the evolution of online learning as well as why he's bullish around this space. If you don't have time to tune into the entire episode, we got you covered. Click the link in the description to access the transcribed version of this episode. Hey, Alberto. Thanks for joining us. Yeah, thank you for for the invite. So yeah, I'm I'm Alberto. I am currently in Madrid, in Spain, Mm -hmm. which is where where I grew up. But I kind of have spent the last few years all all over the world. And um, basically, that's um, in living in all these different countries. Um, that's kind of where, where Transcend started. So Transcend Network, what we do is we're building a community of founders that are building the future of learning and work. Mm-hmm. And we, we place a pretty strong em- emphasis on the global component of that network. So we basically work with founders that are at the early stages, help them with uh, connecting them to a community of founders from 15 plus countries. We've had 40 40 founders go through our program this year in two cohorts of, of 20 founders. We're going to do another cohort later this year. And we connect them to operators, to investors, and to the best advice so that they can grow their, their companies uh, at the early stages. Ah, that's interesting. So quick question around the Townsend Network, right? Did you guys intentionally design this to be an online program? Yeah. So from, from the beginning, I co-founded this with uh, Michael Norea, who... Um, is my current co-founder and from the beginning we wanted to make it a global by design uh, program and we felt like the only way to do it was to remove the geographic component so we didn't want to start an accelerator we didn't want to start a an incubator in one specific geography we wanted to make it global by design and as accessible as possible so that anyone who could join would join and this is I would say this is pretty informed by my experience at uh, Minerva, which is where mm-hmm. I went to university. So I was a part of the first graduating class at Minerva Schools, which is a school that it's a little bit hard to define in a few words, but we basically go to a different city of the world every semester. All the instruction happens online and mm-hmm. they're trying to build kind of a, an Ivy League for the 21st century. And what they're doing is they're just saying, look, we're, we're going to make it as accessible as possible financially by making all the classes online. And we're going to take the best students in the world that apply. They take something like a 2% of the students that apply. And because they're doing it at a lower cost than other universities, they're able to provide a really good education and have a very strong brand since they're so selective. So there was a lot of that experience having gone through that program myself. I just felt like there was an opportunity to design a community and a set of experiences that were just as powerful as the offline experiences and and Michael had been thinking a lot about those questions as well and 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 it was just a very low barrier to entry for us if we just did it online a lot of people I think wait a lot of accelerators and funds wait to do anything until they have capital and 
And we said, we, we want to start working with the founders from day one. We don't want to wait until we can invest in those founders. So that's why we started doing it online. And, and our program is fully free for founders. So the, the, the thought there was, we're just going to start working with the best founders, the early stages, and then everything else will, will follow. All right. That's pretty cool. Given that forums and online courses have been around for a long time, why are you bullish right now on online learning communities? So I guess I'll start by defining what I think of when I, when I think about uh, learning communities, online learning communities. So I think, as, as you said, forums, online forums have been, for a long, have been around forever, and online education has been as well. So why, why is it that now the, this online learning community concept is important? I think, I think of it as, first of all, I can think about it as the intersection of um, curriculum design and just designing good learning experiences, but also designing experiences in general and designing community. And at that intersection, that's where I think the magic happens. And I, I guess I'll give you a little bit of background as kind of how I think about online lear- learning in general and, and where I think this fits. I think at first, we kind of, the, the first thought around how to build online learning experiences was let's just get all this content that we have, put it on CDs and then sell it on the internet or in cassettes or whatever that was. Uh, that was pretty revolutionary. That, that was kind of like, like the first e-learning wave. And then the second one was like, let's, let's put it on the cloud so that you can access it. Even if you're in India and you can't receive a CD with, with all this content, you can all of a sudden take this Harvard course that you wouldn't be able to take otherwise. And I think that was where the MOOC hype um, cycle came around. And within a few years, I think we all figured out that it wasn't really about the content, right? It was, if you went to Harvard, you were meeting the future mm-hmm. leaders of, of the world. And that was going to be what would get you into the positions of power that you would have to go into Harvard and doing the kind of putting it on LinkedIn. Like I did this course at Harvard is not really going to get you into that group. So um, the, the reason why I think this, this matters now is that only learning communities are providing, are putting that community experience at the forefront and uh, at the core of the learning experience. And I think if, if you were trying to compete with Harvard at creating uh, that, those kind of communities, you wouldn't be able to because that's never going to scale, right? Like if, you're, if there's only a thousand students at Harvard, there's probably more, but it's a, it's a question of prestige. It's not a question of, it's not something you're going to be able to scale online. But where I think online learning communities are really interesting is that they make it about relevance. They all of a sudden, Shelton, you're, you're sitting in, in India and I'm sitting in Madrid. Hmm. And we're just talking about online learning communities because we have ended up connecting over Twitter because that's what we think about. That, that's pretty magical. And I think yeah. that's not something that was around or as powerful back in, in the previous waves of online learning. So to kind of get back to, to the question, why is this different from Coursera or Udemy? This is a fundamental shift away from content being the main driver of the learning experience. And it's, it's one that is based on this idea of like new global clusters. Like Seth Godin has a really interesting piece called uh, Clusters. And he, he talks about how they the world is now made up of different psychographic groups and different small clusters, but they're not tied to their identities are not tied to specific countries or specific regions. And he, he says we're all connected, but the future is local. 
I think that's kind of the key assumption that has changed from the days of Coursera or, or Udemy. And I, I think there's absolutely a, a place for them, but I think the next Udemy will be one that rather than giving you the content that you need, will mm-hmm. put you in the room, in the virtual room with the people that you need to be around to be able to learn it through your lifetime, not just that one course. All right. What are some of the tools or best practices that are needed to creating an engaging environment online with respect to online learning communities? So I think we're still very much in the early days of, mm-hmm. of creating this this programs because to be honest I, I feel like right now I don't really see any tools that mm-hmm. that are really able by themselves to create those positive community experiences. It's it's always it always comes down to people mm-hmm. and and methodologies. And I see people that design great online experiences, but I don't see tools that are or platforms that are very almost like opinionated in, in this space. They always give you a lot of features, but they don't really tell you like this is how many times you should be kind of prompting your community members. These are the type of questions you should be asking your community. It's a little bit more like, here's a bunch of features you can use. Mm-hmm. But then if, if there isn't people behind that, they're not really going to drive that community learning. So with Transcend, and I think we're, we're an example of a learning online learning community, but not exactly because we're not uh, necessarily a, we're not, we don't have a clear set of learning outcomes just yet. And, and we don't do courses, for example. Mm-hmm. But with, with us, like we, we run everything on Zoom and Slack. And mm-hmm. I think that that does it for pretty much most people at this point because there's, there's no tool that's telling you like, here's how, in the same way that, for example, Slack nudges you to communicate better Mm-hmm. There are no tools that yet tell you how to engage your community better. Mm-hmm. Um, so w- what are some of those things to kind of answer the question? I think there should be one almost like repeatable lever that you can use to participate in the, in the community. I think one, one interesting example of an online learning community is uh, Wikipedia. And it's mm-hmm. probably one of the earliest ones. And Wikipedia, I mean, from the kind of editor side. Uh-huh. So if you're in, if you're an editor of Wikipedia, you have a space where you kind of hang out, which is the Wikipedia editing pages. You have very clear ways of interacting with one another, with one another, which is by adding new content to articles, creating creating new articles, or providing feedback or comments. And then there's kind of a, a key piece, which is now that you've established a way to connect with the other members of the online learning community. How, does, how do you create network effects so that it's, it's kind of a, an effective feedback loop where every time I edit something on Wikipedia, I'm making it better for all the other. And I think it, it was very successful at creating those, I call them engagement loops, which is here's a very clear way you can, you can interact with this community. Here's how you can get feedback and learn from it. And you're making it better by doing it every single time. And I'll provide a, a, another example which is I, I recently joined a community called uh, Compound Writing. And it's basically a community of people that, that want to write more often and want to write better. I think it's a perfect example of an online learning community because there's a very clear engagement loop. It's you basically, there, there's a Slack channel and this is a paid community. So it has to demonstrate the value right away. But there's, there's three channels. There's ideas, there's drafts and published. So you come up with an idea for a topic, 
you put it on the ideas channel, you get a, a ton of feedback, then you upgrade it to a draft and put the, you post your draft in the channel and then you get feedback on it. And after you've done it, you publish it and everyone congratulates you. Uh, that's a super clear way of engaging with the community that is also going to help you learn because every time you're doing it, you're getting very valuable feedback. You're learning every, time, every single time you do it. But you're also making the community better because you're, you're, if you're not writing, you're seeing all these notifications happen. You're seeing that there's more people commenting. You're more likely to go in and comment and help others. And you're then more likely to, to write again. So th that's a type of engagement loops that I often don't see. And most people that are not really interested in building communities, but they, they talk about online learning communities, I think they, they mostly miss that type of engagement loops. And I think with Transcend, we're also trying to figure out what, what are some of those engagement loops that we can create for, for our members. And yeah, I'd be curious actually, Shelton, I don't know if, you've, <laughs> if, if this resonates with you, the engagement loops, and if you've seen it, maybe what, what are some of the examples of successful online learning communities you've, you've seen? Um, uh, that's a very good question, actually. I'm part of a forum that's sort of going about on creative storytelling, right? So I think one thing that it did really right is it had the right, it had some of the right people in there, wherein mm -hmm. there are good feedback loops. There is, there are good peer review systems in place. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, this for an example, we have something that's sort of like a story prompt, right? So each, each person will sort of write a creative story around that. And they have the freedom to take that concept and go in whatever direction that they want to. Mm -hmm. And then you have peer review in the sense that you know, you have, I mean, on a very minute level, you, you're posting a story up, then you have people just reacting with different emojis, right? Yeah. I think, I think that's what, something that's very simple and that's fun. And then you also have people directly talking to you about what they liked about it, what they didn't like about it, where they, they think you could have changed things up. So something that I've been wondering for a while is how do you drive participation from people who are sort of joined in the community to see what it's about and then sort of faded into the background. I think in the, the gap that we face exactly is on the gap of sort of a feedback loop in which we've not put systems or we've not put processes in place to gauge engagement levels and how, how interactive what is happening really is for everyone. So I'd say, I think one drawback of what I've seen is that all right, it got really fine-tuned to the people who could thrive in that environment. But the, for the ones that were new, it's like, okay, we need to really figure out where, what's gone wrong here and how do we engage these lesser active members of the community. Um, yeah. We might be missing out on some really interesting or creative stories down there, or creative storytelling methods that we may not even be aware of. Yeah. So I think, I think I agree with you on the point that, yes, the space is really fresh in the sense that, okay, there, there aren't, there aren't tools that are immediately conducive to driving engagement. And I think right now, maybe people play the biggest factor in doing that or deciding what that is. Yeah. And I think, um, eventually it'll be something where, I mean, if you're running a, a startup, no one's telling you like no one tool is ever going to tell you how to get to product market fit. Right. Yeah. And I think there's probably something around community member fit, something like that. And I don't think tools will ever get us to do that, but mm. there are very highly specialized tools to measure your, I don't know, or like your virality, the referrals uh, among users, your, all of your metrics to a, a really high, 
high level of, of detail. So yeah, my, my sense is that eventually I think we'll, we'll just get better. We'll build a lot more collective intelligence around building communities and it'll be easier to get started. And it, my sense it'll probably be not too different from starting a product where you want to try out something that is very simple, that satisfies, kind of solves a very big problem for a small group of users and then start to go grow from there. In the same way that kind of this, this writing community I, I mentioned, and there's a very, it's a three-step, pretty much really a two-step uh, process of engaging with the community, but mm-hmm. it's highly effective for those who need it. And it sounds like with, with this creative storytelling community you were sharing, maybe there isn't a clear lever yet. Yeah. But yeah, I think one, one of the really interesting kind of resources that I wanted to point folks listening to is this, this Medium article called How Entrepreneurs Can Build Product-Led Communities by Stephen Wemple uh, who, from Sparrow, Sparrow Ventures. And he, he has a lot of these kind of really interesting concepts um, in this piece that I think will be a great resource for anyone who's trying to build learning communities and I guess more broadly, any type of community. And I realize that often we, we talk about them almost as they're the same thing. They're, I don't think they're, they're the same, but I think in general, we, we're still pretty early in the community days. Mm-hmm. And so by, by extension, I think we're also in even earlier days in online learning. Yeah. Communities. Uh, I think something that I'm interested to see happen now, I think things moving online has been accelerated by the ongoing pandemic and something i'm really curious to see and i'm wondering how how it would actually happen is existing offline communities moving online and i'd like to hear your thoughts about whether offline experiences could be replicated online so i mean the first example that comes to my mind is something like a book club and i think book clubs is a book clubs are very interesting in the sense that they have a sort of a fixed structure and an existing process Every week, yeah. the group decides what book to read. They meet at a common point. They sort of decide. I mean, you already have a decided environment around it, right? The way yeah. um, mm-hmm. people will dress, so they'll interact with each other. The sort of snacks and the beverages that you have present, how the seating structure is laid out, how people take turns and you know discussing or sort of reviewing the book or key aspects of that book, and then ending that with deciding the next plan of action for next week, mm-hmm. and. I'm interested in seeing how much of that experience could be moved online, right? And I think there's two factors to it. One is what of it can be moved online and what maybe, what new could be introduced while it's online, right? What, yeah. what new experience so, could you introduce to this as well? Yes, yeah, so I think book clubs are really interesting because they've really figured out that engagement loop mm-hmm. in that, I mean, you, you described it, right? Like you, you know what to do. You get, to, you get the book, you show up, you read the chapter, like you discuss the chapter and then you decide what you want to do next time. I think this is a perfect example because I think traditionally it's almost been a no-brainer that they should be happening, happening in person. But when you think about the amount of people that are probably reading that book at the same time globally and that you're not getting their perspectives, it's all of a sudden it makes the global aspect a lot more interesting. Like if, if you tell me that I'm going to, I'm, I'm constrained to discuss the current book that I'm reading with people in my part of the city. I would be way less interested than discussing it with anyone in the world who might be, and you, you can get really specific. Like maybe you can th- build a book club with people that are reading the book and where they're 
where everyone is trying to apply it to a specific discipline or a specific mm-hmm. sector. And all of a sudden, I think in general, the, 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 the TAM or like the GDP of the internet has grown so much, right? Yeah. And we have <laughs> all these people that are now in that world and that, again, going back to the Seth Godin example, are living in the same clusters. And again, like the fact that we're here talking, I think is a, an example of it. So that's where I think a lot of the online, I think a lot of these interactions would be just better served online. Mm-hmm. Now, I think in terms of taking something that works offline and putting it online, that likely does not work. Mm-hmm. I think th- there's a really interesting example, which is uh, leadership development. So almost like executive education for like managers and executives at companies. This has barely been touched by technology. It still pretty much looks like a consultant that books a hotel room and then takes all these executives to do a bunch of workshops. And I, I, I was very surprised because I felt like most of the, uh, the rest of the education world has moved largely online until obviously until now when a lot of that, those activities are not able to be performed anymore in, in hotel rooms or in conferences. What I found is that it wasn't really about learning. It was about bonding. And so I think we're getting into a kind of a different topic here, but I think we can design very meaningful connection moments online. They just, they just look different than what they look at a, in a physical space. When you're even, I mean, I've talked to a lot of teachers who are struggling in the last few months to teach online. And one of the things they say is like, when I'm in a classroom, I can really sense where every student is at. If they yawn, if they are sitting in a certain position, I just know how to adapt my, my speaking, my, my tone, my, my voice, the content to their state. And that's really hard to do online. So you just have to kind of, it, the experience needs to look different. So I've, I've been to a lot of webinars that were just the kind of conferences that were moved online and they were awful. And mm-hmm. so I, I just think it's, it's overall just kind of my high level thoughts are hmm. we can take a lot of this stuff we do offline. We can take it online. It's just going to have to be fully redesigned. It's going to look very different. And there's some of the, some of the things will be really good about it, such as kind of getting access to a global set of, of participants, but some others will be constraining, such as just not feeling, not being able to connect as easily as you can online. Sorry, sorry connect in person. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. That's actually, that's a good way of thinking about that particular problem. One thing I'm curious to ask you, you already mentioned that you're part of one writing community, but are there any other online communities that you're a part of? Hmm. Yeah, so I'm definitely I'm definitely interested in in this space. So I, I experiment with <laughs> with online learning communities a lot. I find that Twitter has kind of become an online learning community in that mm-hmm. I have very clear have a very clear set of engagement levers that mm-hmm. I can use to learn, such as posting posing a question on Twitter and expecting certain answers or kind of setting a very clear almost like learning outcome for the next six months. And then using Twitter as a way to to get there. As an example, a few months ago, I, I decided that I, I didn't know enough about almost like classical, more classical theories of pedagogy and education. And I put out a kind of a question asking for 
more historical books and resources on, on this space. And I just got maybe like 20, 20 resources and I have very clear, specific, clear, clear and specific learning outcomes. But in terms of like more formal structures mm. and more formal communities, I would say Transcend is one and that's where I'm doing a lot of, a lot of my own experimentation, which has been really interesting and, and tough, of course, just really trying to, trying to apply a lot of these lessons that I'm kind of learning by observing to, to our own community. And then I'm just a part of a bunch of other groups that I'm kind of in and out of just to, to learn. And I, yeah, I'm, I'm always trying new things. So <laughs> trying new different learning styles, new, new and different community styles. And yeah, so uh, I'm always, always <laughs> down to do more experiments on this if uh, anyone ever wants to <laughs> that's uh, cool. include me in what. <laughs> yeah, uh, I mean, for sure. I think we're going to be coming across a few interesting communities in the near future. So I'm definitely going to yeah. share those with you as well. Actually tied into that, which also ties into my last question, which would be, do you have a request for a community that you'd like to see or that you'd like to be a part of, mm. say, sometime in the near future? Um, there are going to be some, you know, community leaders or some creators listening to this. Yeah. Now, this is such a, such a good question. And I have I have way too many, <laughs> too many requests <laughs> that I... So I, I guess I'll just say... There's a lot of people thinking about community stuff. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of people thinking about curriculum development and education. I think we need a lot more people thinking about both and the intersection of, mm -hmm. of both. And I think you guys are obviously doing a lot of great thinking around this, this space, but I think I'll, I'll keep my answer to this. I think more people need to be thinking about online learning communities rather than just communities or just education. Okay. And what is the, the process of kind of designing those type of, of communities? Mm -hmm. what, what does it look like? What, what are some of the kind of, what's the vocabulary we can create around it? What, what will the conferences look like? That's, I think that's one that generally I'm just very excited to, to see more tools, to see mm -hmm. more, more people thinking about it. Yeah, I think it's going to be exciting. And I think, I think if, if you take note-taking as a really, I think it's a, good, a really good analogy. It's, it's a super mature market, right? There's mm -hmm. people that take notes on, on Evernote, on Rome, on uh, Notion, whatever, they all kind of tie back to a specific way of thinking about the world and thinking about learning. And in, I guess my prediction would be that in 10 years, depending on the type of community that you want to build, mm -hmm. there will be different tools that adapt to that type of community building that, that you want to foster. And so maybe there will be a room for online learning communities, or maybe there will be an Evernote. Uh, and I think I, I just want to see more tools that are as highly opinionated as Notion is about mm -hmm. notes and about knowledge and as, or as opinionated as, I don't know, the building a second brain methodologies are about, about the world. So, so I guess I'll, I'll keep my, my answer to that. Um, yeah. All right, Alberto. Thanks. Thanks for thanks for joining us today. Thanks for being the yeah. first guest on, you know, the first edition of this podcast. Pleasure and an honor. If anyone is thinking about building something in this space and wants to um, ask any questions or just be referred to interesting examples that have been tried in the last few years, Transcend Network is probably the, the place to go. <laughs> yeah, so I you think can so you can find us on on Twitter or uh, transcend.substack.com. <laughs> 
All right, Alberto. Um, thanks. Yeah. Thanks, Alberto. Thanks a lot. Hi. If you stuck around so far, congratulations. You get to hear me for a few more seconds. I hope you found this podcast insightful and interesting. And if you'd like to know what we have planned around online learning communities, do check out questo.co. There's a link in the description below. And if you're a community founder, operator, creator, we'd love to get in touch and have a chat with you around the space as well. Thanks for listening in and I'll hope you'll tune in next week. Bye-bye.